Danger and adventure await you in the underground kingdom. You are exploring the underground kingdom, a fantastic and strange world in the center of the earth. As you stand inside the largest cavern you've ever seen, you are amazed at the dazzling sights before your eyes. If you decide to climb the shining mountains, turn to page 36. If you explore the weightless peaks, turn to page 85. If you go to the hills of diamonds, turn to page 88. Be careful. The underground kingdom can be dangerous. You might be attacked by the vicious Coda beast or caught in the middle of a war between the Rakas and the Archpods, two barbarian tribes. You may not make it back alive. What happens to you in the underground kingdom all depends on the choices you make. How does your story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and reading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star of this story. Choose from 21 possible endings. Choose your own adventure. Book 18, Underground Kingdom by Edward Packer and illustrated by Anthony Kramer. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage choose-your-own-adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I am Jillian. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jason. Who's our author? Or not our author, but our uh, illustrator? It's Anthony Kramer. I think this is a new guy for us. I don't think he's done anything yet. Yeah, I don't think he's, uh, that name doesn't sound familiar. And I would just, Packard yeah. obviously does, yeah. but... I would just like to point out that there's a cave. Well, of course there is. This is the underground kingdom. Yes. So what do we have? We have a golden bird. Yeah, is that like a big sparrow? Kind of looks like it, huh? It's like the least menacing giant bird I've ever seen. Are these people things? They're like ape men. Ape men. Sasquatch. It's a lovely underground... uh, Sam Squanches. Sam Squanches. River or whatever running through there, though. Yeah, and the sky is amazing underground. Those must be the diamond mountains or whatever. Ooh la la. Yeah, so far this cover is not my favorite cover. Warning! Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures you can have as you try to reach an underground kingdom. From time to time as you read along, you will be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. The adventures you have will be the result of the decisions that you make. After you make your choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Special warning. Dun, dun, dun. This is the thing that Ever Packard seems to like to do now. Special warnings, yeah. Yeah. The Underground Kingdom is not easy to reach. Many readers never get there. Ooh. Others never return. Before starting out on your journey, you may want to read Professor Bruckner's theory, which is set forth on the pages that follow. Professor Bruckner is a rather boring writer. <laughs> <laughs> And I wouldn't suggest that you bother to read his theory, except that if you ever get to the Underground Kingdom, it might save your life. Good luck. The next page is Professor Bruckner's theory. Okay, well, let's read it. The discovery of the bottomless crevasse in Greenland by Dr. Nira Vivaldi. Dun, 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 because it's an Edward Packard story. Right. She's She's back. keep recycling her as a doctor. Yeah, and the Cave of Time is going to keep showing up. Yep. Okay, let's try that again. (laughs) 
<laughs> the Discovery of the Bottomless Crevasse in Greenland by Dr. Nira Vivaldi supports my theory that the Earth is not solid, as has been thought, but that it is hollow. The Bottomless Crevasse is probably the sole route from the Earth's surface to the vast underground kingdom. The only other possible link would be an underground river flowing in alternate directions in response to the tides, but this seems unlikely. How, you may ask, was the Earth hollowed out? My studies show that more than a billion years ago, a tiny black hole collided with our planet and lodged into its center. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing. All right. Pulling the whole molten core into an incredibly massive sphere only a few hundred meters across. If you were to stand on the inner surface of the Earth like a fly on the inner shell of an enormous pumpkin, you would see the black hole directly overhead like a black sun. The gravity of the Earth's thick shell would hold you to the inner shell of the Earth, though you would weigh much less than you would on the outer surface because of the mass of the black sun would tend to pull you towards it. If there were a very tall mountain in the underground kingdom and you were to climb to the top of it, you might be pulled up into the black sun because gravity gets stronger as you approach a a massive object. In all other aspects, the black sun would not be dangerous to any creatures in the underground kingdom. On the contrary, the black sun would be necessary to life in the underworld, but in the opposite way that the sun is necessary to life on the Earth's surface. Our sun gives us heat and keeps us from freezing. The black sun absorbs heat. If there is an underground kingdom, it is the black sun that keeps the inhabitants from being baked to death by the heat within the Earth. Jer is shaking his head. I, I was <laughs> I was covering my eyes and shaking my head too. That whole black mini black hole into the earth like it's 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 hurting just a little bit yep all right well i mean this was the 80s so why not all right all right here we go you are standing on the tone glacier in northern greenland staring down into the black law really i am not saying anything it's my first time reading just so we're clear. Um, I get that. <laughs> you are standing on the Tone Glacier in northern Greenland, staring down into the black vo- void of the crevasse. You shiver as you wonder whether you were lucky or unlucky to be invited on this expedition. Mm, we're standing on the edge of the crevasse that leads into the underground kingdom that many people never find. On page one. How do they know it's there? It already no, no. told us that we may never find this. That and I no, asked, no, we know we know the crevasse. They're talking about many people never find the underground kingdom. But the crevasse goes down to the underground kingdom. Maybe. All right. Standing next to you are Gunnar Larson of the National Research Institute and James Sneed, a geologist. A small black box containing a signal transmitter is suspended over the crevasse by two long poles. The transmitter is wired to a console a few yards away in the ice. Dr. Sneed turns a dial as he monitors the display screen. Well, Larson's voice is impatient. Sneed looks up, a broad smile on his face. This is it, friends. The bottomless crevasse. Any radar return, Larson asks. Let me ask you a question. Exactly. I really should not have eaten sour Skittles (laughs) right before I did this. I'm just saying. Sneed shakes his head. None. For a minute, no one speaks. 
Like you, the others must feel excited to have reached their goal, but also a little sad. It was just a year ago that your old friend, Dr. Nira Vivaldi, radioed from the spot that she had reached, the bottomless crevasse. Ah, yes, my old friend. A few moments... Are we the same kid from uh, Survival at Sea? I'm going to say yes. It doesn't say. It just says his counterparts are Gunner and James. But we... we, But we're old friends. We're old friends with... Were we old friends, or was the doctor old friends with her? Oh. It sounds like he is. Oh. Okay, so we're probably different kids. Oh, okay. I mean, technically, we're probably still lost at sea somewhere. Or dead. A few moments later, her radio went dead. She was never seen again. Turn to page two. Now you stand on the edge, lost in thought. How could this crevasse have no bottom? Could it really lead to an underground kingdom? What happened to Dr. Vivaldi? But your thoughts are shattered. You didn't seem to slip, yet suddenly you are falling into a, into the crevasse. A ledge is coming up fast beneath you. You could land on it, but you're falling so fast, you're sure to be badly injured. You might only be saving yourself for a slow, agonizing death. These thoughts race through your head in a split second. If you try to land on the ledge, turn to page five. If not, go on to the next page. So, we're falling. Mm-hmm. And the option is save yourself or just keep falling. I kind of want to keep falling. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I gave up already. I'm, you know, lost at sea. So right. I already gave up then. So I, I, I say, I say, we keep falling. <laughs> I. There's not even any logic to argue with there. I want <laughs> to say we land on the shelf. That's what you would do in a normal situation like this. <laughs> Unless you're suicidal. I'm thinking suicide right now. (laughs) fuck. All right. We're suicidal. Let's do it. Good. Your consciousness slips away as you fall faster down, down, down. The next thing you know, you're floating in air. In the soft reddish light, you can see that you are only in a cavern drifting towards the ceiling. Or is that the floor? In a flash, you realize what has happened. You've fallen into a point where gravity above you is almost equal to gravity, gravity beneath you. You brush against a firm surface, a wall that feels like clay. You cling to it for a moment. Then you're floating again, drifting slowly down. You begin to lose your fear as you realize that gravity here is so weak that you can, fi- you can fall mile after mile without being hurt. After a while, you begin to relax and enjoy drifting through a fantastic twilight world. You only wish you weren't so hot. Closing your eyes, you try to pretend that you are safely home in bed. Once again, you brush across a firm surface. Mm. That's what she said. <laughs> this time it's the floor of the cavern. In fact, you have touched down on the mossy bank of an underground stream. You drink from the cool, clear water and then step out of the cavern into this strange world. The only illumination is a dim red-orange glow that seems to come from the ground. The air is so clear that you can see shadowy, curving hills and valleys stretching out in all directions, even above you. Why do you feel so good? It must be because you are so light. You could hardly weigh more than 10 or 15 pounds. You spring to your feet. Every movement is easy. You jump 20 or 30 feet high and float gently to the ground. Then you realize that you're not alone. Only a few yards away is an odd creature. As big as you are, it seems to be some kind of a bird, yet much more than a bird. Under the crown of soft golden feathers are enormous blue-green eyes so vivid and intense that they seem to not only be a means of vision, but also a means of power. 
There is something terrifying about that face. I don't know what that means. I don't either. You know what? I don't even think fucking Edward Packard knows what that means. A means of power. Yeah. Okay. Like a unicorn horn. If you so cut wait. it off, then you gain its power. Right. So if you gouge out the eyes of this bird. That's what I'm thinking. Can... Yeah. Yeah. I'm for it. Gain superpowers. Okay. Is that a choice? Okay. There's something terrifying about that face, but also something angelic. Something that draws you to it. In fact, you feel as if you're being hypnotized by those eyes. If you run from the strange creature, turn to page 15. If you hold your ground and face it, turn to page 10. I'd I'd get away from it. Sure, I see what you're from it. That's weird. Yeah, I don't exactly know how something would be angelic and terrifying. I'm going to predict the next page going to say do you want to run north northwest west (laughs) (laughs) you can run from the angel bird up a hill that gets steeper and steeper are they literally calling it the angel bird yeah they Uh, really are calling it the angel bird why would i just insert that stupid shit i I thought you were trying to be funny no no i was not (laughs) that's that's good because it wasn't yeah sad yeah it was a little sad okay (laughs) In the light gravity of the underworld, you can run faster than a deer, even up this mountain. 20, 30, 40 feet at a bound. You feel even lighter than you did before. You try to leap only a few feet in the air, but you find yourself floating. There is no way you can get down. You are between the ground above and the ground below. You close your eyes. Then instead of feeling warm, you feel cold. Instead of feeling light, you feel heavy. Instead of floating, you're lying on a hard, cold surface. Opening your eyes, you see ice walls rising above you. Now you understand. It was all a dream. (laughs) When you fell into the crevasse, you landed on its ledge about 30 feet below the surface. You must have hit your head on ice. What a strange dream you had. It seems so real as if an angel bird put the dream in your head. But there are other things to think about right now. Help, you shout. No one answers. Larson and Sneed have probably given you up for lost. And then it's making me go back to page 12. Oh, so, it's making you go back? Yeah, it's making me go back to page 12. Oh. So the choice that I would have made is, is what we have to make now. Yes. So we it's not even really an option except you get that little extra. Well, we had an option in there to hang out with the bird. And I think if we hung out with the bird, we would have been in the real world. Yeah. All right. You look along the ledge. It curves up towards the surface, but it also becomes narrower. You try to gauge how close the surface you could get without losing your footing. By cutting a couple handholds in the ice with your pocket knife, you could make it to the top if you don't lose your grip. If you try to make it, turn to page 18. If you decide to wait, turn to page 20. I don't think waiting in the freezing environment is a great idea. Yeah, I mean, probably climbing isn't a great idea either, but... Yeah, it's... Say try climbing, though. We were great climbers in... um, in the Himalayas when we were going after the abominable, the abominable snowman. Yeah, but that was a different author, so. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. You inch your way along the led. Blah. Blah. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with me? Oh, but that's staying in. Sour Skittles. Oh, good. <laughs> oh, good. Sour Skittles. Yeah, I know. That was probably a poor choice on my part. Okay, so you inch your way along the ledge, keeping your body flat against the wall of the crevasse. You should be able to make it as long as you don't panic. You try not to look down. After almost an hour of slow progress, 
You're able to raise your hand over the rim, but you still can't pull yourself up. You hack away at the ice, gouging out another handhold and then another foothold. It seems like hours before you can even take one step higher. Then, with one great effort, you heave yourself over the edge and twist and roll away from the deadly opening. Stiff and shaky, you manage to stand and stare at the bleak world around you. The sun has set behind the western mountains, and you begin to shiver in the chill of the wind. Sounds You're like thankful every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <laughs> You're. <laughs> You're thankful that you're in this part of Greenland, and it never grows dark in July. But it does grow cold, well below freezing, and you're too exhausted to run and jump to warm yourself. There is no shelter from the relentless wind and no sign of Larsen or Sneed. It's getting hard to breathe. You soon begin to feel the dull aches and stiffness, a sick feeling you've read about, and the dreaded symptoms of hypothermia. You are freezing to death. Maybe a search helicopter will arrive any moment, maybe in a few hours, maybe never. You are very tired. You desperately need to rest. If you huddle in your parka and try to conserve your strength, turn to page 32. If you force yourself to keep walking, page 25. Uh, I would say keep going. Walking. Yeah. yeah. No. I don't think hunching down in your parka is yeah. going to help your ass. So page 25 it is, right? Yes. yes. <clears throat> okay. You force yourself to keep walking. If you wander too far from the crevasse, a search team might miss you. If you walk in a large square, 50 paces north, 50, 50 east, 50 south, 50 west, 50 north, again, <laughs> again, and again. There you go, Jer. You yeah. happy? Your legs feel like lead. Your eyes are half shut. You hardly notice when the weak Arctic sun reappears. The sun. You can't think. Dizzy. You can't stand. It seems like another world when you wake up in a room with pale green walls and a gleaming tile floor. Your head is swimming. What happened to Larson and Sneed? You feel as if you've lived through a nightmare. You're lucky. We were we were able to save your leg. A tall bearded doctor is speaking. <laughs> Holy shit. That went from like... Dark. That escalated quickly. A tall dark, uh, bearded doctor is speaking. You'll be okay. Then his voice trails off as he tells you your friends Gunnar Larson and Dr. Sneed have joined Dr. Vivaldi. All lost forever. Larson, Sneed. You keep mumbling their names until finally sleep comes. By morning, your head has cleared. It was a terrible ordeal, but at least you survived. In a few weeks, you'll be home. Home for good, because nothing could ever persuade you to go near the bottomless crevasse again. Turn to page 26. Three months have passed. You return home late one afternoon and find a man waiting at your front door. I'm Professor Bruckner from the National Research Institute in Washington. He shakes your hand warmly. Please come in. Are you still studying the bottomless crevasse? He nods. We've identified forces that may have pulled Larson and Sneed into the crevasse. Would you be willing to go back? Precautions would be taken so there would be no chance of its happening again. So wait, this book is doing Alien and Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of both. Are you ready? Well, Ripley, let's go. <laughs> you shake your head. I'm afraid not, Professor. I don't think I could go back to that place where my friends died. Smiling, the Professor leans towards you. Would it change your mind if I told you that your friends may still be alive? What? It's true. We received a faint radio signal from a point far beneath the Earth's surface. I believe one or more of the, the others must be alive somewhere in the underground kingdom, and we have the means to reach them. Now will you come? If you say that you'll go on the expedition, turn to page 28. If you decide it would be too dangerous, go to page 30. I'm Ripley. I have to do it. 
Well, she initially says no. Which just happened. Right, and then they told her that there may be people living, or that there are people living there. And yeah, which just happened. All right, well, I guess we're going. <laughs> so we're doing page 28, and we're going on this expedition? Yeah, or we're no? going on the expedition. All right. Professor Bruckner, count me in. Good, he says. This time we'll be far better equipped. NASA has put two helicopters at my disposal. The can NASA do that? I have no idea what NASA Does can do. Does NASA have helicopters? They, that they probably have helicopters. I mean, that's not what they're known for. But uh, my concern is that I don't think they have jurisdiction to be flying around in Greenland in airspace. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well. That's, that's my thought on that. But, you know, I'm not. Not going to question it. Yeah. It was written for eight-year-olds. One. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, yeah, no, that's true. If you put NASA in a book for eight-year-olds, it'll be like, yeah. I feel right. like right. there's like a three forty-year-old sitting here reading books for eight-year-olds. <laughs> what's going on, yeah. All right. Well, we did say we make questionable decisions. All right. So here we go. One of them will transport our party of scientists and technicians. The other will carry the Vertacraft, a rocket-propelled capsule specifically designed for the mission. Dude, I'm fucking pumped now. All right. Three weeks later, you find yourself staring once again at the bottomless crevasse. It looks narrower than when I was here before, you remark. Yes, Bruckner says. The glacier has been advancing, about three feet per year. It won't be long before the crevasse is completely sealed. Will you and the other members of the party stand at a safe distance? The professor cautiously walks to the rim of the crevasse. In one hand, he holds an oblong instrument that emits an increasingly rapid clicking noise. Don't get too close, you cry. Indeed, Brockner takes a few steps back. I think I know what happened to Larson, Sneed, and Vivaldi. What? Gravity waves are coming from the center of the Earth, have disrupted space-time enough to pull them in. The person... <laughs> Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> uh, the physics, yeah. physics of this book are amazing. Yes. Yes, they really are. The professor looks down at your puzzled face. <laughs> and you as well, he adds. <laughs> I've always suspected that the laws of physics so, may be different in the vicinity of a black hole. I feel like Edward Packard wrote that line just for us. The doctor looks at your puzzled face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> now we have proof. What does this mean? The professor smiles. It means that the interior of the Earth, beginning about 800 miles deep, is hollow. But what does that have to do with the black hole, you ask Brockner? The professor pauses to fill his pipe. I fucking knew somebody was smoking something right in this shit. He's a professor. I'm just saying. As I explained in my published theory, a tiny black hole lodged in the center of the Earth more than a billion years ago. It pulled the interior of the Earth everything except the crust and the mantle into itself, leaving the earth hollowed out like a pumpkin. (laughs) That is what the gravity readings tell us. Then where is the underground kingdom? It is the whole interior surface of the earth. And if you stood there and looked straight up, you would see the black hole. It would look exactly like our sun, except for that it would be jet black. So it wouldn't look exactly like our sun at all? No, it would not. (laughs) Professor Bruckner lights his pipe and then says... I did not expect to undertake this mission for some months. I only plan to inspect the crevasse and test the vertacraft, but the crevasse is closing rapidly. I must make the descent today. Otherwise, my return path might be blocked. Who will volunteer to come with me? 
One after another, the team members shake their heads. Finally, Bruckner turns to you. Well, you hesitate. You don't want to risk your life, but this could be the only chance of finding your lost friends. If you decide to go with him, turn to page 35. If you decide not to risk it, turn to 33. I want to find my friends, you guys. Find my friends. And hop in this and hop in the vehicle with the strange bearded man. Um, There's candy in there. No, I, I'm going to go with your decision, but only because I just realized that I wasn't paying attention to anything that was being said. <laughs> like, I drifted completely off. I win. You guys are making me feel really good about my reading voice. It's not your reading. It's the goddamn book. <laughs> so this is where we get to the part of the fucking podcast where we decide if we recommend something. No, I'm just kidding. All right. So are we going to help our friends or say fuck them? Help. All right. Here we help. go. <clears throat> you know that your chances of surviving the expedition are slim. Even if you safely descend into the bottomless crevasse, there's no assurance that the Vertacraft will be able to get you out again. Still, it's your only chance to find your lost friends and to explore a new world. You grit your teeth and climb aboard. The professor climbs in beside you. Ready, he says. I'm going to activate us as soon as we're centered. Ready, you strap yourself in and say a prayer. You feel like a larva inside a cocoon. Looking through the port, you watch the others position the vertigraph over the crevasse. You wave at them and they wave back. Suddenly you are falling, faster and faster, plummeting towards the center of the earth. Has the vertigraph gone out of control? Professor Bruckner, you yell, won't the rockets work? Can't you slow us? We're saving our fuel, he shouts. Gravity will slow us, you'll see. Has he gone completely mad? You notice a red button on the control panel. Next to it, a sign that reads, emergency. Reverse return to initiate position. Thanks to the dual control system, it looks as if you have a chance to escape this madness. Still, you can't be sure it will save you. If you decide to push the emergency reverse button, turn to page 89. If you try to reason with Dr. Brockner, turn to page 38. We don't have the option to just keep falling this time. I guess try to reason with him, but it, I mean, it's... We didn't build this thing. We don't know what it's supposed to do, you know? No. So... Yeah, we, it, I mean, our friends are counting on us. We should just plummet to our deaths, but <laughs> I guess we'll try and talk to the doctor. He made it. He knows how this thing works, so he should be able well, to control he it. He has an idea of how it works. He's, this is all based on the fucking theory of his, and yeah. we could just be plummeting to our death, but still. What are we doing? Are we reasoning with him? Yeah, we're reasoning with him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You make a face. That's fine. We're going too fast. Can't we slow down, you call? No, we have hundreds of miles to go. We've got to get through the Earth's mantle fast, or we'll be baked to death. Bruckner's voice is cool and reassuring. Maybe he knows what he's doing. But every minute, the temperature rises. You begin to sweat. Whatever made you think you could survive such a trip? Sipping cold lemonade from a plastic bottle. <laughs> what? Mm. You try to close your eyes and relax. Then it seems as if the ver verticraft is slowing, but you can't be sure. Suddenly, everything is still. The verticraft has come to a rest. Looking through a porthole, you can see that you have landed inside a large crater. Slowly, you climb out of the vertigraph and open the other compartment. Professor Brockner's face is ashen gray. You feel for a pulse. Nothing. The strain of the... <laughs> <laughs> the strain of the descent might have been too much for his heart. Turn to page 43. Okay. Okay. Oh, Lord. Okay. This book is apparently about escalating quickly. Okay. I'm, for, I'm all for it. <laughs> it should have escalated a long time ago, so... All right. You bury the professor's body 
near the verticraft and say a prayer. You feel sad and afraid of setting forth alone in a strange world. But there is no choice. You must search for food and shelter. You must search for what? You must search for food and shelter. <laughs> First, you've got to get out of this crater. There is a tunnel nearby. Peering inside, you see that it leads straight down. Suddenly, you realize that this was a tunnel that the Veracraft traveled. You're looking through the other end of the bottomless crevasse. The tunnel doesn't lead straight down, but straight up to the surface of the earth. So Professor Bruckner was right. The earth is like a hollowed out pumpkin and you're standing on its inner shell. Your feet must be held to the ground by the gravity of the shell itself. You stand there a minute wondering why the pull of the gravity here isn't as strong as it is on the earth's surface, but then you remember the rest of Brockner's theory. There is a black hole at the center of the earth pulling you towards it. I wonder how many more times they're going to tell us that. Yeah. You leap as high as you can, 20 feet in the air, then with one great bound you're out, standing on the surface of the underground kingdom. No. The end. Holla. Oh. Turn to page 40. Yeah, this is an inherent problem with this book is we have not reached the end yet. Yeah. No. Because we already went to the underground kingdom. And then because of choices we made, it turned out to be a dream. A dream. And now we have come back to the exact same underground kingdom that we had a dream about. The scene around you reminds you of a photographic negative. All of the shades and colors seemed reversed. The ground is a grayish pink clay with white outcroppings. In the distance, you can see areas that glow like beds of hot coals. Nearby is a forest of trees with green trunks and white leaves. The trees are very short, yet their branches, taking advantage of the light gravity, spread out for hundreds of feet in all directions. You climb a small hill to get a better view. Wherever you look, the land curves upwards, as if you were standing at the bottom of an enormous bowl. The sky is covered with what looks like reddish-yellow lights. Most amazing of all is the sight directly over your head, a disc almost the size of the sun, but instead of shining brightly, it is absolutely black. You can feel its coolness, <laughs> as if it were drawing heat from your skin. If it, it were the size of the sun. <laughs> I, I was just thinking that, too. <laughs> Pretty sure all life on Earth would be extinguished right now. There wouldn't be an Earth. Yeah. <laughs> it's the black hole at the center of the Earth. You turn sharply at the sound of chattering. Coming up the ravine are more than a dozen creatures, smaller than you, yet walking upright on two legs, half human, half ape. They look like creatures that might have once lived on the Earth's surface, and they are carrying ropes and nets. You could probably climb a nearby tree and hide amongst the clusters of giant leaves, but is it wise to run like a frightened animal? Maybe things will go better for you if you bravely face the inhabitants of this world. Bravely face them? (laughs) If you decide to face the creatures, turn to page 42. If you decide to hide in a cluster leaf tree, turn to page 46. Neither one of those options sound great. No, no. Climbing the tree essentially traps us. And if the guys are hostile and we approach them, then... And they have nets, don't they? Yeah. I Um, feel like I'd rather hide at this point. Maybe follow them if we get that option. Yeah, I could go with that. I mean, it's not like we've been brave at it all so far, so we might as well just continue. So we're hiding like little pansy asses? Yep. That's exactly what we're doing. You hide in the cluster leaf tree. The strange creatures pass by except for one straggler who stops to stretch. For a moment, he looks right at you. Coda, Zach, he cries, and then turns and runs after the other. Perhaps you needn't have been so cautious. The creature looked more like a frightened animal than a fierce hunter. As you climb down from the tree, you hear a low moaning coming from the bush. 
A pair of bright blue lights is shining from within the darkness. Now the moaning comes from behind you. Turning, you see another pair of blue lights. (laughs) Knock it off, chair. (laughs) Turning, you see another pair of blue lights. Beneath them are long, glistening fangs. Slowly, the creature closes in on you. Their moans rise into high-pitched shrieks. What are they? You only have a few seconds to live, so it hardly matters. The end. Jesus. That was abrupt. I guess we should have made friends. I guess so. Do you guys want to go back and make friends? No. Oh, wow. (laughs) I feel pretty good about the ending. Yeah. I'm feeling pretty good about that ending. But, uh... That was a rough book. <laughs> I, I, I can't recommend that. No. Some authors, when they try and write about things, <laughs> generally try to understand what they're writing about. Sure. Even, even if it's, I mean, it's fantasy. I get right. that. But even like sci-fi fantasy, even some of the weirder sci-fi fantasies I've read generally have some basis in reality or or some way of explaining well i think that's what i think that's what he tried to do i think he took a a a theory which did exist that the earth is hollow it's an Mm -hmm. actual real theory yeah yeah and i think he tried to explain it in scientific quote unquote terms or tried to create some science around it so that it would seem plausible but it just i mean it's 1980s fakey science and so it's extra fakey nowadays and it's also written for kids so that makes it extra extra fakey yeah i know i'm not recommending this shit show it's just it's a hard one to 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 recommend at all yeah i mean like the 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 last one the race forever like actually was one of those that made me want to possibly try reading it again sometime you know and we've had a couple we have we've had a couple like that that i actually would read again, but were there any Edward Packards? I don't think so. <laughs> no, you wanted to read the Forbidden Castle again, and that was Edward Packard. Was it? Yeah, that was the return oh. to the, you returned to the Cave of Time, and oh, all right, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, generally speaking, he's not a bad author, but some of his stuff, like this in particular, I think is more so than it being a bad book. It's just a book that didn't age well. Yeah. Um. There was some stuff in there that was pretty bad, though, like that fucking bird. So I don't. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna recommend it, but I don't. I don't hate this book. I'm just. I'm done. Yeah, and I'm book. sure, like, like maybe if we had approached the bird, that would have been a whole different thing instead of a dream. But I don't know. It's a. Uh, it's a little, little rough. Yeah. Now I'm curious. You're curious about. The bird. Oh. Yeah. Screw it. the bird. Fuck it. This thing's a dumpster <laughs> fire. I wouldn't okay. recommend it. It totally sucks. Dumpster fire. Alrighty then. So if you want to check out more Choose Your Own Adventures, you can go to cyoa.com. And if you absolutely just fucking adore Edward Packard, you can go to edwardpackard.com. You can check us out. <laughs> no? Do you want me to read if this you one? Want to. You can check us out on stupendostorisrex.com. Really? <laughs> I can't fucking talk anymore. You know what? <laughs> Hit our Twitter, tweet the fuck out of us, push some fucking like buttons, okay? <laughs> oh, you actually want me to do this? I want you to outro it. I want you to just... <laughs> I'm Jill, bye! Jill. Yeah, it's been me. Thank you for coming. <laughs> 
I have botched this entire thing. 